This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives online. I'm Sarah Tasker and this is episode 29. My guest this week is Tara Swiger, who you might remember from episode 7 in season 1. Tara is a podcaster and a coach from the US, specialising in helping people with handmade businesses. And she is a font of warmth and knowledge on so many topics that are really close to my heart. So I asked her back on to talk about vulnerability and where we draw that line in our online sharing, plus how we can deal with negative feedback. Hi Tara, welcome back to Hashtag Authentic. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully everybody's already heard your previous episode, it's one of my favourites, but for anyone who's not caught it yet, could you give us the quick intro to your work? Yeah, so I help makers and artists and people who really love a thing or doing a thing, help them build sustainable businesses. We I do that through classes and workshops, both online and in person, which you came to one and that's I how we met. Did. And yeah, I, we talk a lot about marketing, goal setting, because it's super important in like getting where you want to go is knowing where you want to go and also profitability and money and not being weird about your relationship <laughs> with money or selling or marketing. You did a great episode recently, fairly recently about people's weirdness about money <laughs> and all the different ways that shows up. And it, it resonated so much with me. And also I could see it, how it manifests in everybody's life around me as well. <laughs> I keep sending people to listen to that episode. Oh, well, thank you. And yeah, I guess that's something I didn't say is I have a podcast, Explore Your Enthusiasm. And yeah, we just recently we've been talking a lot about people's relationship with monies and how it just can really mess up everything, every aspect of your business. It's huge. And it's one of those things that you sort of don't realize is there until you actually stop and look at it. Yeah. I should say, actually, Tara's podcast, for anyone who's not heard it, is one of my favorites. I'm not just saying that because she's here. I think what you have really nailed, which I've not really found anyone else that manages it, is that you are covering the kind of the business side of things. It's a lot of strategy. It's a lot of kind of the stuff you need to know to have a successful business, but it's absolutely full of heart and soul and it never feels like sometimes I listen to business podcasts and feel a little bit like I've had the life sucked out of me by the end <laughs> and I have to go and do all these things and and I come away from yours just feeling really charged up and enthusiastic so oh that means so much to me I'm so glad because I love your podcast as well like what you know because I'm always posting like oh this is a great episode I love this episode but yeah I I'm I'm so glad to hear that and that's the thing is that I I really try to talk about practical things but hey, if your mindset and your attitude and your relationship with money and selling is messed up, then you can't take those actions. So all the strategy doesn't matter if you just feel really stuck. Exactly. And so you can know all the right steps to take, but you can still get up every morning and look at your computer and do nothing. That's right. <laughs> and maybe we've all been there, possibly. For sure. <laughs> you touched on it a little bit there about feeling weird about selling. And I was just chatting to you before we hit record on this about two complaints I got in the last couple of weeks. One person wanted to know how they could just get my hashtag newsletters without hearing about my e-courses um, and upcoming workshops. And one person was a little bit annoyed about me including a reminder about my e-course enrollment at the end of one of these podcast episodes. But you made a really nice point that made me feel a lot better about that. Oh, well, so the thing is, is that that can feel awful when you get those complaints. I know like that's, that's how, why we were talking about it. Cause it feels like upsetting when people are, don't want to hear what you're sending them. But what I pointed out is that with the size of your audience, only getting two 
complaints in a week actually means that a huge percentage of the people you're talking to want to hear about it or they don't care. They're <laughs> not bothered. To complain yeah. about it. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's my only two ever. So now I feel a lot better about it. That's amazing. The fact that you only get two complaints about you mentioning the thing. And we have to say for everybody, like, you create so much free content, and I know many of your listeners do as well, that it is completely appropriate for you to let people know how that they can buy your deeper paid content or workshops or e-courses. Like That's appropriate not only because it's what pays you and you can keep creating free content, but also because people who really resonate with your work will want the next step. So if you didn't share it, you're keeping those people in the dark about something that they truly do want. So by sharing it, you're letting them take the next step with you, which they want to do. And that is the key. That is the real key, I think, to ever feeling okay about selling your stuff is realizing the difference between us as small businesses who are making something with an audience in mind that we believe in, that we've put our heart and soul into versus like Coca-Cola trying to sell you their latest soft drink that maybe was made with a little bit less heart and soul and is much more cynically targeted. Yes. Well, so that actually brings us into the other thing we've we've been talking about, which is vulnerability. Like, and feeling so exposed when you sell your thing because you care about it so much. Because it's like your, your... your hopes and dreams and heart. And when I first started working with makers and artists, it was mostly um, people who make a product by hand. And it's like, that is you poured into it in a way that somebody who sells obviously Coke, but also even something like, I don't know, chairs that Mm. are made by a machine. It's not the same level of like you intensely poured into the thing. And so when you offer that you-ness into the world, it just feels like you're just like cutting out your heart and putting it on display. And you're like, here you go, guys. Do you want some of it, please? Maybe. Oh, God. And then putting it on the internet where it's not always a friendly environment. People don't always treat things with the respect or care that we'd like. So it feels even more vulnerable. Yes, exactly. And and there's the uh, like stranger danger aspect of the internet where you don't know, like when you put your photography or your e-courses or your podcast out there, is it going to be... A friendly audience? Is it going to be like some dude who just wants to see your boobs? Like who is going to be looking at it and then responding to it and then interacting with you about it? It can all feel really scary. So how do you encourage people to get past that? Because I know you're an amazing enabler. You get people moving and get past these blocks. Well, thanks. Um, I, it's a good question. Where do we start? Sorry. Yeah. Just solve all our problems in one go, please. (laughs) I know. And I don't know, can you hear my dog shaking in the background? Uh, A little bit, but it's, it's nice. It's charming. (laughs) Well, he's going crazy. He's trying to calm himself down by shaking and he just keeps doing it over and over. (laughs) Okay. So how we get people moving past that is to tap in to their heart. So often what happens is you create something from your heart, you love it, you feel so strongly about it, or it's like your photography and it really like expresses yourself or your writing and you really poured yourself into it. And then you think about putting it online and you get really protective and you're like, oh, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to put it out there. What if it gets judged? And a lot of this is even subconscious. You might just feel like an uneasiness, like, oh, or a lot of people feel like a a perfectionism come up Mm. because they want to it before they let anybody see it. So all of those, like thinking it's not good enough, thinking it needs to be more perfect, thinking you need to work harder at it. Procrastinating. So we're like, I need to do this first and I can't put it out until I've done these photos to go with it or. Yes. All of that is a sign that you're just trying to protect yourself a lot of the time. 
So what I like to tell people is go back to the reason why you created it. Go back to the heart, usually of service or beauty or expression that it came from, and to share it with that intent. So if you write something, Sarah, about that is that is encouraging people to grow their audience or live their dream or do something that really matters to them, you created that because you wanted to help more women do that. You wanted to be of service to those people. So you share it with that. And that kind of takes away the like, you have to be better. You have to be perfect. You have to wait a while until you're better. You can just know if I don't share this, what am I keeping from those people? That's true of anything that you sell. So whether you sell a hand knit hat that makes people really happy because it's adorable, or you sell beautiful jewelry that makes people feel elegant when they wear it, or you sell your services that help people build their business or improve their life or get healthy, anything if you tap back into why, what you're helping people with or what you're bringing into their life, that it's just so much easier because then you're like, hey, I want you to have this because it's going to make your life better, happier, or more beautiful. What you're saying here actually reminds me um, of something I spoke about with Sass this week. So Sass Petherick, who has been in a few previous episodes, she was telling me about a theory she has about you're either in service or self-serving. So some people come to making or coaching or selling their things because they want to be of service and they want to help people and when you come from that place it feels vulnerable but that like you're saying you can get back to the reason you're doing it and that keeps you going if your aim is to be self-serving and maybe to sell it because you want to get a lovely reaction or to put something out in the world because you want all the lovely feedback that can be a lot harder to keep pushing yourself forwards with because you haven't got that heart you haven't got that drive to kind of see it to completion because you've not got that audience of people who you know for sure are waiting and needing it. Exactly, exactly. And if you're coming from that self-serving place, like most everybody that you and I come in contact with or that listens to our podcast or that at all resonate with our work, they that's not like their genuine heart. Like they're yeah. not people who could just be self-serving no. forever. And so you're very quickly going to peter out. And I actually get more people who are worried that they are self-serving because they're going to make some money from oh, selling yeah. big. And it's like, no, 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 like you, and so they stop themselves because they're like, well, who am I to charge for this? Who am I to make money off this? Who am I to like be able to afford a life that I really enjoy doing something that I really love? If you come to it from a place of, you remember your place of service and why you were doing it, you're going to, you're going to like push past that. Oh no, I shouldn't do it. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough thing. And come back to the real reason. And that real reason for everybody, I mean, I haven't met anybody that listens to my podcast that came from a self-serving thing. No. They just have to remind themselves of that. Absolutely. And kind of get back in, in touch with it. And also, because if anyone's ever gone down a wrong path or creating the wrong product, it's getting back in touch with that. Who is this of service to? Exactly. It kind of helps you steer it in the right direction again. And if you can, like, that just remind me, if you can talk to those people, if you can ask them, like... Uh, what they like about it, the people that you're serving, the people who've bought your product or taken your classes and really tap into what they like about it. Yeah. So one of the ways to tap back into that when you're feeling stressed or selfish or self-involved is to just talk to the people who love your work and who have benefited from your work. And if you've been doing it for any amount of time and you've made any amount of sales, you have people who love your work. So talk to them, ask them, what did they love? Ask them how it helped them. Don't be shy to get the compliments because it's not about you. It's about what your work is doing in the world. And sometimes we can feel like self-conscious to be like, Hey, what did you love about my work? 
but hearing it will remind you of why you're doing it. And I honestly go back to maybe the same three to five stories of people whose lives I've helped. And I just remind myself, if I don't share this, if I don't do this, that would have never happened. And like those people would be sadder. (laughs) So I need to share this with the more people. So more people can have that experience. And that's just a really easy way to like tap back into service and make selling feel a little less scary because you're remembering the people you're thinking about the people and not yourself. I really love that. And that could even be something, presumably someone could stick it on their Instagram and be like, have you bought from my store? What did you love about it? And, And let people see that publicly as well. Let people see that conversation. Absolutely. And then also the great thing about Instagram is you can look at if you have a hashtag for your shop, you can look at people who are posting their happy stories of getting your product on that hashtag or if people tag you, you can repost it. But like I like to save those. So when people post that they got my book in their mail, I, you know, now Instagram lets us save and bookmark photos. I keep those so that when I'm feeling low, even if I didn't use them for marketing purposes, like like reposting them on my own Instagram, I just go back through and read it. And it's like, okay. I need to keep doing this. That is such a good idea. It's like a, a boost book that you can just flip through when you need a little top up. Exactly. <laughs> I think you have a whole episode on this, actually, maybe more than one, and I will definitely link people up to it. But the whole concept of kind of selling and feeling uncomfortable about it, feeling like either, I think there's a real thing, maybe it's a British thing where we just feel really awkward and shy about promoting ourselves in any way. But also the wider thing where it just feels kind of gross to be asking the people who follow you to invest in what you do. Yes. That's not a question, is it? (laughs) But I think it helps people to hear you make that statement because you're not alone if that's how you feel. Like a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that selling their thing or their smarts or their, you know, beauty photography is asking people to invest in you. And it is, but the person is going to get something in exchange. And if they don't, then you're not really selling anything. <laughs> yes. So like if you if you are if you have something, a product, a service, a piece of art in exchange for their money, they're not just going to get the feeling of of helping you, they're going to get something really valuable in return. So like in your case when people buy your classes, they get all of that knowledge and value and clarity and sense of peace maybe about what they should be doing on Instagram. And so they're not doing it to support you. They're doing it because the value they get out of it. This is such a good way of looking at it. In the same way that like, I like to go back to thinking, how did I feel when I first heard about that course that someone else was doing that I knew I wanted to take? Or when you see a dress you love on a website, but that feeling of, oh my goodness, this is, this is for me and I need it. And all I'm thinking about is how excited I am to have it in my life. Yes. And you're not thinking, geez, I wish that person wouldn't have shared that that was available to buy. Yes, never. <laughs> right. And of course, sometimes people offer things for sale that you're not excited to buy. But so what? Like you're just not the right person. But there are probably dozens and hundreds of other people who are super excited that they shared it. Right. And actually, I think if anything, in the modern world, we're very used to being surrounded by sales messages for things that aren't right for us and just tuning those out really simply. You know, every billboard, every commercial break is very rare that I see anything that's of interest to my life. But it it's a perfect time to go make a cup of tea. So (laughs) win-win. Exactly. What else do you say to people about this? Because I know you've got more on this subject of like pushing past the growth. Yeah. So, so you go back to your heart of service. That's the first thing your, your heart of like where it's coming from and why you're doing it. And then also, um, you remember that, um, 
the people who you've helped and you talk to the people and you remind yourself constantly of who you're working for and with. And then I think you want to realize that, and this kind of has to do with the vulnerability of, of sharing your stuff. You realize that you don't have to be perfect or have it all together to be deserving of making money from your work. So in the same way that we kind of protect ourselves by like procrastinating or perfectionism, we also like, sometimes I'm just a hot mess. <laughs> like, how am I allowed to like have a job I love and make enough money to feed my family? And like, because I don't have it together, but like, you don't have to, like, nobody does. That's the other thing. <laughs> it's a total myth, isn't it? That that yeah. everyone else is perfectly at their computer nine to five every day, nonstop productive with life never getting in the way. Absolutely. Or that they like, uh, you know, clothe their children in beautiful clothing every day, <laughs> or they like their dogs are perfectly potty trained. Or like... Do three hours of yoga every morning on the beach. Exactly, exactly. So nobody has it together and nobody is more worthy or deserving than you. I'm interested to know what you think about sharing some of that vulnerability as part of a business kind of profile online. Yeah. So kind of putting a little bit more of yourself into, for example, your Instagram captions when you're a business or a shop. Yes. So I I have an episode called How to Be Authentic Without Being a Hot Mess. (laughs) And it's my most downloaded episode because I think that that's the, the, the kind of false dichotomy everybody makes is that if I'm going to be vulnerable, I'm also going to tell you how my dog just puked everywhere (laughs) and show you pictures of that, right? Like that's not the same. And so I think, I mean, vulnerability is key to connecting as a real human being. So some people have businesses where they're more brands or like a whole collection of people doing something together. But I think for many of your listeners, they are, they are the brand. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a one girl show or one girl is the face of it. And if that's the case, you being a real person is key to anybody feeling like anything towards you. Because there's nothing new under the sun. There are a million product options for whatever it is that you're selling. That's no reason to get discouraged because people want what you have to offer, but you have to show them who you are before they know that. So super important to be personal, share stories, do all of that. And and then, but, you know, have your boundaries of what you want to share in your life and what you don't. And actually where you draw those boundaries is completely up to you. People, like I've obviously got a lot of myself on the internet and people can think that they know like 100% of my life but if in reality it's probably about 1% of my life that actually makes it online exactly exactly people tell me that all the time like oh I know everything about you and Jay, my husband laughs he's like they they don't know anything about <laughs> you and not because I'm hiding anything but because it's inappropriate for me to tell stories about my parents from my childhood or it's inappropriate for me to talk about all the ways my husband annoys me like it's just not part of how I'm helping people so when I when people are wondering about how to balance that and where to put boundaries, I always say like, share what's going to serve your people. So for me talking about how my business is hard or or how I like, I don't have things together or I feel uh, lonely in my work or I feel frustrated in my work. That's actually really helpful to the people I work with, but to talk about, you know, your like kids vomit is maybe not having a urinary tract infection or (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Something like that is not as helpful, but like you've done posts about like the trolls you get on your Instagram live and you turned it into something really helpful, right? That whole list of things we could use to not get those, those comments. That is the men that like my boobs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So like that might have 
like for me, it would have felt really personal to share that, but you turned it into something so useful that it, it wasn't just about you and your boobs anymore. It was about <laughs> like how we could all protect ourselves online. Yes. That's the key. I suppose that it's something that is, it, this is the thing that I try and work into every post I do, wherever it is, is that there is a takeaway value for everybody. So even if you don't want the sponsored product that I'm talking about in a sponsored blog post, I want there to still be something in that post that's useful to you or interesting to you or entertaining, but still that value. Yes, absolutely. And that's what makes people love your stuff. And like, if you're not, if you're not a coach or a teacher, maybe your posts aren't useful in the same way. Maybe they're more like inspiring or Hmm. engaging or like, they don't all have to be educational. They can just be really funny or just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. Like, I, I really think when you think about vulnerability, you want to ask, how is this serving my people? How is it like helping them in the way that my work helps them? And I have to say, like, for me, I've really found the moments when I'm the most vulnerable online are the moments when, just like you say, the most connection happens. So the posts that always get shared the most, get the most comments, kind of boost my profile in ways I never expect. They're always the ones where i hesitate before I press publish or I hesitate before I press post because it feels that little bit more vulnerable and that little bit more raw yes so that, but that's, that's where the growth is and I, I do often find that when we're about to do anything that takes us into the next arena the next stage it feels scary it feels just like that so you kind of have to push past it to realize which one it's going to be sometimes <laughs> yes exactly like it's 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 scary to grow and do new things and if if you guys are just getting started selling like of course it feels scary you're doing something really new and really vulnerable but that doesn't mean you don't do it I mean if you want if you want your life to change or you want your business to change you have to do those things that are new and scary I see a lot of people that I work with or that take my courses who are very passive about their sales very very passive so maybe they'll mention something once on Instagram stories and then it doesn't sell And then they're like, well, I knew it wasn't going to sell. So this is proof of everything I was worried about and I'm a failure. And that's the end. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. But that's not you didn't really give it a good shot. So I talk a lot about my work about making clear calls to action where you tell people if you want this, you can click on this link and buy it. Like if you want to join the e-course, it's about to close. You need to make sure that people know how to get it and that it has a deadline if it has a deadline. Because especially in the time of the algorithm, if you're doing it on Instagram or, well, on any social platform, really, your chances of getting seen, the more times you mention it, the more chance you've got of actually contacting people. And hardly anybody is going to see all of your posts. I mean, I like... I'm always clicking on Sarah's Instagram stories and liking them and replying. And yet still Instagram doesn't even show me like a quarter of her posts. If I ever go to your profile page, I'm like, wait, what's that? (laughs) Same. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so like, and this is somebody that like Instagram should know. I like deeply want to see everything. (laughs) Definitely. Twitter does the same thing. And I'm sure Facebook does. Yeah, exactly. So you so like somebody not uh, commenting or buying right away, it's most likely because they haven't seen it. So you have to make sure that they have the chance to see it. Which comes back to being of service because it's our job, if we have something that people want, to make sure that they know about it and know when they can get it. Every time I close my e-course, I'll get a ton of emails from people saying, I didn't I didn't see it in time. I didn't know it was going on sale. And yep. I always think, oh, maybe I should send more emails. Maybe... <laughs> 
Well, that's definitely, I mean, that's what I found is that I needed to send two to three times as many as I was in order to stop getting those messages. And yeah, (laughs) and and, and my sales increased because people who wanted it saw it and then they bought it. So I mean, I really encourage people to do what I call like a proper launch where you are like, I am making a big deal about this for a week and it's going to be in a lot of messages because otherwise people just don't see it. And I'm rubbish at doing that, I have to say. So I, I'm going to make a pledge now that for my next e-course launch, I'm going to do it properly because I know exactly what I should be doing. So I'm going to do the full week-long launch build-up. Excellent. And I Excellent. will count my success in how many of those emails I get from people who didn't know. And I'll report that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Go back to service. Like you're doing it for those people who missed it. And I, and I think maybe you didn't do a proper launch because you're, when you first started selling stuff that just sold out, you didn't have to. Yeah. So it always um, sells out, but right? that's not helpful to those people who maybe waiting to get a yeah, spot and didn't hear about it. Yeah. So it's the thing you have to decide. Um, and everybody has to balance like your marketing with actually your capacity. So what I tell people who are selling out a lot is like, so maybe you don't need to do a full launch, but you do need to do something to let those people who most want it um, kind of filter themselves into say like an early, an early boarding list, an early bird list so that they get first shot and then share the heck out of that. So if you have like a sub list, do you do that? I don't, but that is a really clever way. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you need to do. So I want you to I want you to launch the heck out of your early bird list or your first shot list and then just send emails for the first 24, 48 hours to people on that list. I love that. That's such a good way of doing it. I'm gonna set that. <laughs> a little business coaching along the podcast recording. <laughs> She's available for uh <laughs> Business coaching. Actually, you're probably very fully booked, and I shouldn't say that. <laughs> well, I don't really do one-on-one sessions. You guys are welcome to take a class or read my books, though. <laughs> it all kind of harks back to the previous episode we did together about right people and mm-hmm. the people that drop off your mailing list because you've sent too many product announcements or you've shown too much excitement about the lunch you've got coming up or whatever else. They're not your right people. That's right. That's right. And they, they are just telling you, hey, I wasn't interested in buying this, which is awesome because then you can know when you send your message, it's just the people who are interested in buying it. And then be loud and proud about it. That's I right. That. I love And that. just have no worries because you know that anybody who didn't want to hear about it isn't there. So you're just talking about people who do want to hear about it. And it because it can be depressing. You log into your like <laughs> stats after you sent out a big mail shot and realize that a however many people have unsubscribed but yeah it is going back to that thought of okay no they were never gonna buy from me it's not like if I'd sent the right email I'd have persuaded them or talked them around they were gonna go either way and I've actually so speaking of unsubscribes I've had a conversation with a couple friends that I've got my biggest unsubscribes when I've done things that were entirely not salesy like I had a birthday post about my birthday (laughs) the most unsubscribes ever and like I don't I didn't say anything questionable it was just a link to all the other birthday posts I had written and it was like some lessons I learned on my birthday and I was like ouch and then someone else her grandfather passed away and she told the story of his life and she had her biggest unsubscribes ever so there wasn't even a sales pitch (laughs) that's so interesting and so I just at that point I was like I have to stop I have to like I mean I don't have any notifications turned on but you know when you log in and you see 
in the stats of each message, how many people unsubscribed, I just decided there is no rhyme or reason. Maybe people opened it because it was my birthday. They were happy for my birthday, but then they remembered they don't want to keep getting these anymore. Like you can't think it has anything to do with what you wrote. It's so true because marketing and psychology, like you could dig really deep into the layers there, but it will never come back to being about you and what you wrote. It will be about the title entice a different demographic of people to click or. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you can never know, like, unless you quiz each person individually, it's all going to be stories you're making up in your head and you're going to make up stories in your head that go along with the beliefs you already have, like that you're worthless and nobody wants to read your writing and everybody hates you and you shouldn't do sales. (laughs) So like you're, you're just not, you're just not going to know. So for anyone listening who is kind of holding back on this front, whether that's just letting themselves be vulnerable in small ways or whether it's the larger way of actually putting themselves out there and launching big or selling big, what's a good first step? If you, if you already have something for sale, I want you to do a post where you tell people how they can buy it straight up. So that could be like an Instagram post, presumably, or a tweet or a blog post. Yes. Since this podcast is so much about Instagram, do an Instagram post. Do an Instagram post that's a beautiful photo. It can be of your product. It can be of you. It can be of your product in use. It can be a repost of someone else posting about your product. And then say, I have X available. You can find it in my shop. Click on the link in my profile. And just do it so that you realize you won't die. (laughs) (laughs) So at this point, like if it's really out of the blue and for some people, their Instagram is so pretty and stylized that nobody knows they sell anything. And so this post might come as a total shock to your audience. That's fine. If you're going to have a sustainable business, people need to know that you sell stuff (laughs) and the people who follow you and who are interested in you are going to be the people who most likely are going to buy because they already like and trust you. So do that. You may get sales from it. You may get unfollows from it. It doesn't matter. You'll know afterwards the lesson to take away is that you survived. Nothing bad happened to you. And that that if your audience was really shocked, then you realize, wow, I haven't built an audience of buyers. Maybe I, I want to adjust this and talk more regularly about what I sell so that I am continuing to have an audience of people who will actually support my business. That is so key. That is true for an awful lot of people I work with actually that they've established quite a nice strong audience but that's been through kind of unintentionally playing around and posting pretty pictures and and kind of finding their style and finding their way but never having that end goal in sight of I'm going to then sell I'm going to tell you about my product so sometimes it can be a really uncomfortable transition period of starting to post the kind of content you need to be posting or you want to be posting and letting some of those other people fall away while you bring in the right crowd. Yes. And, you know, we talked about this in the last episode because we talked about that you don't need a big audience. If, mm. they, are, if they are following you because they want to buy what you sell, you don't need a large audience at all. And what I thought was so interesting after that episode aired is <laughs> quite a few people with huge audiences posted something like, um, you know, Sarah had Tara on her podcast and I was surprised to see Tara doesn't have a big audience at all. and yet and this was my favorite and yet she made great points oh like in their head it was it was so tied that a big audience equals expertise or value or like I could only have good points if I had a hundred thousand followers and so how interesting I just like cracked up because I have a business that pays all of our bills and I'm very happy with it and I'm very fulfilled. And so the 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 posts from some people with huge audiences that were like, 
and yet she had something to say. <laughs> This poor child with only. Right. I was like, I know it's shocking. But that, I mean, I I actually thought it was really great if they could recognize, oh, I might have this big audience, but I I don't have a business. And of course, people have different goals. Maybe you just want to have an audience and you don't want to have a business. Mm. That's totally fine. But if you do sell a product or a course or a service, or you want to be self-employed and work for yourself, then your audience needs to be people who want to buy what you sell. And this comes back to self-serving versus being of service. Yes. Right? So you can have a huge audience and it can feel very self-serving and they can give you wonderful feedback. And gosh, I'm as guilty of that as anyone. Like it is a lovely warm embrace of the from the internet every day but it doesn't pay bills and if you need it to or if that's what you want or if that's how you feel fulfilled then you're somebody who needs to be of service to feel happy and that that is me through and through like I was when Sass and I were talking about this I was telling her about one summer where I had some free time so I spent the whole summer on a forum helping people sick pet chickens (laughs) coaching them through every medical drama because I had chickens and I was kind of really clued up on it but like that thing where you, you just need to be of service I think it's either who you are or or not so yeah so you were saying like if if you need to be of service and you're you're offering a product or service to the world then then you want your audience to be the people who are going to be served by that and it doesn't have to be big but you do need to be direct and tell them what you do yes and if you're that kind of person having the huge audience and receiving all that lovely gratifying uh validation is not going to make you feel good it just it's not going to be enough Because what you really want to be doing is being of service to your right people. And the only way to get past that block, the only way to change that discomfort is to focus on your right people and start posting what they want to see. And if it means letting other people go, then so be it. Yep. Yeah. And that means that if you have a service or product that serves them deeper than just your free content, pointing them towards that, letting them know that it's available. So like your e-courses are... um, even more educational and deep than your podcast. So people love your podcast. They can buy the e-course and get even more. And if you don't point them towards that, you're doing them a disservice. The people who want it, you're not serving them. It makes so much sense. I hope that this is resonating just as much for everybody else because it's as true as, you know, if somebody likes your Instagram pictures and your interior style, they're probably going to want to know that you have a shop where you sell interiors items exactly and if they love your your painting uh that you're showing and you sell your paintings you should let them know that if they love your writing and you sell books or uh courses or coaching and they like your voice and your style you should let them know that because it's a disservice to the right people to not exactly exactly because they want they're following you i mean they signed up to get your updates into their phone they want to hear from you (laughs) we didn't bully them into it or trick them hopefully anyway exactly (laughs) because that's illegal (laughs) so tara what have you got coming up that we can join you with well in october i think it's 23rd and 24th not quite sure i'll be teaching on creative live it's just creativelive.com there'll be a class about podcasting for product sales and YouTube for product sales. So not tutorials, not becoming a big YouTube star and getting commercial deals, but actually selling your own thing. If you're really passionate about your thing, how to do that in those two mediums, because it's something I'm super passionate about and a lot of my customers use to great effect. So that's my next class. And then um, you can just find everything or listen to my podcast at tarsweiger.com. 
And I will include links, obviously, to all of those things, including Thank the you. Creative Live class. Is Creative Live where it's free to listen if you listen live, or is it a paid class? Yeah, it's free to watch live. It's recorded in this really beautiful, amazing video studio, so it's amazingly high quality, which is why I like to do it, because I'm, I'm not that fancy in my home. <laughs> it's amazingly high quality, high highly edited live video that's free to watch the live stream, and then you can get anytime access when you buy the classes. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you. As always, I think I already know we're going to have to have you back because there's so much. But in the meantime, everybody go and listen to Tara's podcast because she shares a whole lot of wisdom on there as well. Thank you so much. You'll find show notes for everything we talked about in this episode at meandorla.co.uk forward slash podcast 29. And I will also include links to all of Tara's amazing resources and her podcast, which I highly recommend. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next week. Thank you.